0: Welcome to this week's energy show. We've talked a lot about pool heating on uh, recent shows, and this is kind of a low-temperature water application, but the biggest and the oldest application for solar, uh, probably over a thousand years, is uh, medium-temperature hot water heating, basically where you're heating up water to use it for home use, like domestic hot water or heating of a house or a building or process heat. Um, And this is what we in the industry call medium-temperature solar hot water, as opposed to low-temperature temperature hot water for pools or high temperature hot water that would use concentrating collectors where you'd have the water basically over the boiling point so um, when, when I kind of looked around for somebody to help be a guest on the show for medium hot water temperature uh, that the natural was a company called Sun Earth and it's my pleasure to have Peter Bliss VP of Sales and Marketing of SunEarth on our show. And SunEarth is one of the oldest and the most experienced solar thermal manufacturers in the world, and they're based right here in the U.S. and California. So in addition to serving as the VP of Sales and Marketing at SunEarth, Peter Bliss is also a member of the board of the Solar Heating and Cooling Alliance. So welcome to the show, Peter.
1: Thank you very much, Barry, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right, great, great. So first, a lot of people know about solar panels, and and it's very interesting how the transition's been over the last 10 years that the the concept of a solar panel when I was growing up was a solar collector, solar hot water. Um, But now when people talk about solar panels, they're thinking about photovoltaic. But but what Sun Earth does is kind of the old-fashioned heating system, which is a solar collector. Uh, Peter, just explain to the people in our audience what the key features are of a solar collector.
1: Sure. It's a very basic, simple design, like you hinted on earlier, that has been around uh, for quite some time. And essentially, it's black pipe in a box on a roof makes hot water. It's a little more technical than that. You have a, a glass glazing and an aluminum box, which inside you probably have the most key feature, which is your absorber, which conducts the heat to the water and lets it pass through for use to the homeowner.
0: And and why is there glass on the front of the collector? Why don't you just have that, that uh, copper hot water panel exposed directly to the sun?
1: And we do have uh, products like that, but when you want to get the water temperature for domestic hot water use for showers, for laundry, so on and so forth, you uh, need to get it to probably around 120 to 160 degrees and having an enclosed box with glass on it that allows the light to come through um, can keep that temperature in that range uh, very efficiently.
0: Okay, so so um this is medium temperature hot water. So when the water's coming off of the roof from one of the sun earth collectors, what's the temperature of that water?
1: It can be anywhere from 120 to typically 160, maybe 180 degrees.
0: Okay, so you got something that's kind of up around 160, 150 and it's it's not boiling but it's hotter than what you'd want to use in the house, and then you just run it into a tank, and that brings the, the temperature up to what's um, what's going to be acceptable within a house, which is usually 120 to 140. You don't want it much hotter, otherwise you're going to get burned. What kind of technologies are out there for higher temperature hot water systems?
1: There's um, Predominantly what's used is um, a lot of evacuated tubes that can get uh, temperatures up to... Closer to two hundred plus degrees, and also concentrating solar when it's parabolic troughs or mirrors that focus um the energy on a certain point and then really gets turns water into steam essentially for high temperature usage and that's usually in some uh almost always a commercial usage industrial usage only you don't see that too much in residential or you know, apartments and hotels and hospitals, things along those lines.
0: Okay, good. And and um, what are you using ordinary water in these collectors, or is there some change that you make to the water or antifreeze you had?
1: Uh, depending on the type of system, we try to stay away from the word antifreeze. Um, there is a solution used called a, a glycol solution. It's a um, non-harmful, non-toxic uh, fluid that is actually used in some food, but it's a uh, food-grade glycol that is circulated through a collector and goes through a heat exchanger. And the heat exchanger um, allows the, the glycol fluid to transfer the heat to the domestic water that's going into the building.
0: Why don't you run just regular water up to the collectors? Why do you need uh, this food-grade glycol in there?
1: Uh, food-grade glycol allows, uh, number one, the temperature to get higher without boiling. Um, and it's... Uh, You can use water in certain types of systems. There's another system called a drain-back system that does use just standard water, and if it's getting to a point where it might be boiling, it's going to drain the water off the roof into a a storage vessel to be used when the sun is not so intense and you can still capture the energy needed in order to do the water heating for the the day's use
0: okay so so that um, that glycol solution prevents the water from boiling does does it also prevent the water from freezing say on a cold winter night
1: absolutely that's another benefit of it is it will allow it to uh, has a much lower um, freezing point we have our systems using glycol rated to about negative 60 degrees so it's a, does a very good job of keeping that water from freezing and the other system that i hinted on earlier the drain back system advantage of that kind of in the name it drains back so it drains back when it's too hot or it drains back when it's too cold, not exposing that fluid to uh, any sort of um, harmful conditions.
0: All right, it's good. So I squeezed the word antifreeze in there because it, that glycol keeps it from freezing, but it's not the stuff that you pour into your car's radiator. That's, that that makes sense. What What about um? What are some of the uh, the products that Sun Earth has? You mentioned a, a couple of different kinds of solar collectors. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of the product line?
1: Sure, we have a. Uh about five main, I'm sorry, six main products. Um, the flagship product is going to be called the Empire Series. Uh, that's a glaze collector that we spoke about earlier. We've had that in our lineup for uh, decades now. Uh, the kind of newer uh, two collectors we have is going to be the ThermoRay or the Sunbelt collector. The ThermoRay is typically a highly efficient commercial product, and the Sunbelt is actually a lower-efficient um, product made for where the name is, kind of leads you to, the Sunbelt region. In areas of, you know, California, Arizona, um, Texas, Florida, Georgia, you have a lot of sun. You don't need a product that's going to heat your water really, really high because it's already so sunny. So the Sunbelt is made for that. um, We also have... Um, Pool water heating collectors that you spoke about on previous shows, whether that's a plastic unglazed collector or a copper unglazed um, uh, absorber as well. So that's really the the quick rundown of our main product line. We also manufacture all of our own mounting hardware here, well here as well, that are uh, has all of the certifications necessary to meet all the local codes and jurisdictions for any type of wind or seismic activity you might experience in the region that you're in.
0: Okay, good, good. So um, how long has SunEarth been making these solar collectors?
1: Uh, Consistently here in the U.S. since 1978. Uh, The oldest uh, solar water heating collector manufacturer uh, here in the U.S. and been going strong since then.
0: Well, that goes back to the Jimmy Carter days, which is when I started uh, with my solar thermal collector. So um, you guys are old-timers. So um, I know that you need more than just the collector. What are some of the other components in a complete solar heating system?
1: Correct. The balance of the system is extremely important. That center of supplies. But some of your main products is going to be your storage tank, uh, the pump to circulate the fluid from the storage tank, into the collector and back and also the the kind of intelligent controller, if you will, that tells the pump when to turn on and when to turn off or when is there heat to be gained and when is there not. So those are the major kind of solar components that you're going to have in there along with the heat exchanger. A lot of the tanks have internal heat exchangers already built into them but you can use external heat exchangers as well. So those are the main solar components that are uh, a bit different than just standard plumbing practices.
0: So, and then this storage tank, with or without the heat exchanger, how big is it and where is it usually located?
1: Economy is a scale, really. Uh, Residentially, usually you're going to have an 80 to 120-gallon water heater. It's located in the garage. Uh, maybe a water heater closet. Some areas of the U.S. that are in some flood regions are actually stored in the attic. Uh, but in a commercial installation, uh, they can go to two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 gallons. They can be buried in the ground. They can be in a boiler room. It really depends on where there is room. That's where they put it. Okay.
0: And then what if you got a bunch of cloudy days? What do you use for backup heating of that hot water?
1: You never uh, take away the primary or the the source of water heating that that user already had. So if it's electric or gas or oil, they're still going to have the opportunity to rely on that if there was a week long or so of cloudy days. So um, you will have a backup um, heating source that you typically use before Maybe you got the solar system. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. That that makes sense. So uh, obviously you've got the solar collectors on the roof, and you've got the storage tank in the basement or in the garage, um, and the pumps and the controls nearby. Is there any maintenance required on these systems, and how long are they going to last?
1: Very little. Um, they're manufactured to last twenty plus years. Uh, we have systems that have been on roofs for over 30 years. There is kind of like a, a car, a minor maintenance if you're using a glycol solution that needs to be checked for the pH balance. It can turn acidic and you might have to replace that every five to ten years. Tanks as we all know can leak sometimes. You might have to replace the tank but they can last quite some time because they have a sacrificial anode rod in them, which uh, basically instead of the harmful materials in the water attacking the tank, they attack the sacrificial anode rod. And if you replace that on a frequent basis, you're going to make your tank last a lot longer. So there is really not a whole lot of maintenance. Maybe uh, just typical things you want to check once a year, maybe replacing a small component every five years, but it's, uh, it's pretty low maintenance.
0: Yeah, that, that's been my experience, and you know, we do a lot of solar PV for, for years and years, and sometimes people have these old solar collectors on the roof, and, and I've actually never seen a solar hot water, solar thermal collector like SunEarths, and many of them probably were Sun-Earths, that that wasn't working. Um, they're pretty much always working. But the, sometimes the customers say, yeah, the, the pump went out or I had to put in a new controller or things like that. So it's those little minor maintenance items. And uh, But the the key to the system, which is the collector, that's just glass and aluminum and copper, and there's nothing that's going to go wrong with that for probably 50 years. Right. So, so you mentioned a little bit about commercial. Now, now a lot of our customers here in Silicon Valley, and a lot of people are talking about residential, but commercial is a really big market for solar hot water. How does SunEarth address some of those commercial customers?
1: Yeah, it's actually quite a large part of the market now. Um, I'd say over the past probably eight years, the market has flipped when it used to be primarily residential and a little bit commercial. Now it's exactly opposite. And what you're looking for in a commercial application is just somebody who uses a lot of hot water. We find those a lot, especially here in Southern California area, Um, some uh, apartment uh, buildings that have centralized water heating. That means each individual unit doesn't have their own tank, so they have a large tank somewhere in the unit that supplies all the hot water, and typically that is not billed directly to the customer. You know, there's a lot of savings that can happen. But you also have to take into account there's a lot of engineering that takes place in these commercial systems. So Centerf has on staff engineers that can assist in um, sizing some components and and some design assistance. But we also have people that we use that we contract out um, to do drawings and to stamp drawings when necessary. But all of our products that we supply are rated for commercial usage and has all the necessary certificates to be uh, sold into a commercial application.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good opportunity. And there's a lot of listeners who who may be involved with commercial buildings, apartments, um, and and it is pretty compelling when you look at what some of the incentives are out there to put solar thermal systems, you know, heating up process water or heating up water for the laundry in the in the apartment building or for the for the residents, and that's something that makes good sense. Now, and especially going to make good sense if there's some local rebates or incentives. So, uh, Peter, tell us a little bit about some of the incentives that are currently available for solar hot water systems, both in California and then all around the
1: country. Sure. I'll, and we'll start in our backyard. California has a great program. It's called the CSI uh, Thermal Program. And basically, it's a residential and commercial program that the utilities offer rebates to people who install solar thermal systems. Um, It it, it can take care of an extremely large portion of the system cost with these rebates. They, in fact, just went up recently, so we're happy to have that going for us here in California. And that can, uh, if you Google Google CSI Thermal, you will get all the information necessary for that. And then when you go across to the U.S., there's pockets of... uh, programs. There's an incentive program in Arizona, some in New York and Connecticut. Um, Florida has some stuff. So does Massachusetts. It really depends. There's a great, great website called com that has all of the information uh, about the rebate programs in every single state across the U.S.,
0: Okay. And then and then obviously everybody also gets to benefit, whether it's residential or commercial, from the 30% investment tax credit, which if you're listening, uh, that's something that's going to expire at the end of next year. So um, now's the time to take advantage of that. That's a really big incentive. Um, so, so Peter, with these incentives... Uh, tell me a little bit about what the economics are going to be for a typical residential customer of a of a system, and then we can also talk about what the economics would be for commercial customer.
1: Sure, you're typically going to be looking at an installed cost of um, I'd say six to ten thousand dollars is going to be the average cost, depending on whatever challenges there could be on the job, what you might be the installing There's other factors that go into that so it's hard to dial it down exactly um, and so the economics really comes down to what you're using to currently heat your water um, as we know uh, here in the US if you're using natural gas it's extremely cheap and makes economics not as attractive as if you're using electricity or oil or some propane types of uh, fuel to heat your hot water so uh, you're looking a lot better when you're using electricity, oil, and or propane. With rebates, you can get the return on investment down to under five years, some areas of the country, close to a year return on investment, which is extremely um, attractive as a homeowner.
0: Wow. And, and so the rule of thumb if you're a homeowner is if you have electric heat, or propane, or, or even oil heat for your hot water, you should definitely look into a solar thermal system. Now, what about commercial customers? Some commercial customers are using natural gas. Does it still pencil out under, those, uh, under that assumption?
1: Absolutely, and I don't want to dissuade any residential homeowners that use natural gas not to look into it. It's still a great thing to do. It's great for the environment. You're offsetting a carbon footprint, so it's still great to look into there. But commercially, um, it's a lot easier to make uh, natural gas make sense just because of the amount that you're using. Uh, we have clients that could be spending $10,000 a month to heat their hot water. If you're using natural gas and you're still spending $10,000 and you can save 50 60 70% of that bill, it's just a darn good investment, even if you're not, uh, even though you're not offsetting such a high utility cost, you're still saving a lot of money. So there's still that's why commercial natural gas uh, installations still make sense. Uh, and I'd say in California, I'd say probably 95% of the commercial installations are in fact. Have natural gas as a backup source
0: wow so that's 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 pretty encouraging um, and it's it's good to see that we're starting to kind of make some progress here in the u s with with solar thermal but but historically, why has the u s lagged with solar hot water systems i mean it've been traveled around the world, and lots of other countries have have solar hot water systems almost standard on every on every building. Why are we behind here
1: um, and it didn't used to be that way back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a a very favorable uh, industry, and there was a 50% investment tax credit at that time. A couple things that happened. One of the main things is the investment tax credit was taken away for a while, which really hurt the industry. And simultaneously with that, the price of oil dropped um, by at least half of the cost of what it was, probably from around $100 a barrel down to around $50 a barrel but the main thing in the US that most other countries don't really see is we have extremely cheap uh natural gas and that's really what we um are fighting against uh in the solar thermal industry and just trying to offset such a inexpensive bill for a residential customer is is very difficult um almost all residential Opportunities are looking at the return on investment. And if you can't show them something, probably within uh, at least under 10 years, if not under five, it's going to be tough to make a sale. And so, since natural gas is so widely used, I, I'd say that's probably the primary factor that's holding back the industry. And then, as well as just the cost of the system, is not um, inexpensive. You know, $10,000 is not a very, very Uh, cheap investment, but it can pay off in the long run. So it's really important to sit down, try to see how things pencil out, and and also don't forget about the... uh Good, you're doing for the environment by installing this and uh, offsetting your carbon footprint.
0: Yeah, I've I've really seen how the pendulum is swung back and forth from solar thermal to solar PV, and you know the, those pendulums swing, so it's probably coming back to solar thermal. But but how would a solar thermal system fit in with a solar PV system on a on a homeowner's roof?
1: Perfectly, they complement each other so well. Number one, especially if a customer is using ele- electricity to heat their hot water. Uh, That's probably 30% of your electric load, and it doesn't make sense to take up so much roof space with tons of PV product that isn't as efficient at heating your hot water as a solar thermal system would be. Um, So a solar thermal system is probably 70-plus percent efficient, and that's with a only taking up 40 square feet, maybe a little more of your roof space, and then you can have a PV system that's appropriately sized to do the rest of your electricity um, usage. So they complement each other extremely well, and just we really encourage all PV contractors as well as solar thermal contractors just to have both options available for their customers, and they're really doing their customer a good service when they offer both.
0: Yeah, that's... That that makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the future developments that you see coming down the pike with solar hot water systems?
1: Uh, great question. And that's uh, really, I mean, like I said earlier, it's basically been a pretty similar design for the past, you know, 100 years. What you've seen a lot of, event, I'm sorry, growth in in the area of the coatings of the absorber that goes into these, you have some higher efficiency coatings, some that get hotter quicker and and stay hotter longer, uh, which, in turn, makes the system be more efficient. I I also think you're going to start seeing people um, start dabbling a lot more into plastics and how they can be used more so in hotter water heating, um, getting away from maybe glass into some sort of plastic, uh, I guess... Covering of the collector, but those have been tried in the past. and They haven't worked out so well, but as investments or advancements are made in those technologies, I think you'll see people try to dabble in that area a little more because uh, obviously a big goal is to try to still stay as efficient as we are to bring the cost of the system down as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, there's constant developments and we, one thing we know is energy costs are not going to go down, so anything we can do to generate our own energy is going to make a lot of sense. So, h- how can people get in touch with Sun Earth?
1: Well, We'd like to think we have a very fantastic website that you can uh, go to it is www.sunearthinc.com or you can call us anytime we have uh, you always get a live person to answer the phone never a recording unless you call after hours but you can reach us at 909-434-3100 well wow.
0: well wow, peter spoken like a true vp of sales and marketing that's that's perfect um, thanks for joining us on the show and that's all the time we've got this week Also, thanks to all of our listeners for uh, joining up. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts.